0: And welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith in your pioneer roots. And today is episode number 92, and we're going to be talking about making old-fashioned salt water brine fermented pickles. Old-fashioned salt and water pickles, because those are your, you, you have basically three ingredients. The vegetable or the fruit that you're going to be making into a pickle. You've got salt and you've got water. So three things. And this is a form of pickling that goes way, way, way back. For some of us, we will remember our great grandma or perhaps, you know, someone who had a farm out on the farm making pickles this way. When you think about the root cellar, so for those of us who are the Laura Ingalls Wilder fans and read all of the books back in the pioneer days when they would go to the general store or they would go down to their root cellar, the spring house, that kind of area, and they would have large crocks or barrels full of pickles. Nowadays, it's so funny how everything old starts to become new again, and I am so excited that we are in a time where people are really starting to embrace and turn back to a lot of the old traditional forms and things of eating and foods and way of doing things. So right now, it's kind of a trendy thing. You've probably heard people talking about fermented foods. So fermented foods are really becoming popular again. You'll hear a lot of talk about probiotics as well. And there's a couple of reasons for this is because it's so funny. Science is kind of catching up with the way that we used to do things and showing that those old fashioned ways of doing things had more benefits than just preserving the food. So a lot of the traditional methods are actually healthier for us, and science is discovering it. So with the probiotics or with fermented foods, which fermented foods have the live strains of the good, beneficial bacteria in it. So in our bodies, there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. So the bad bacteria is what can cause infections and make us sick. But the good bacteria is the bacteria that we want that helps everything in our body function correctly and especially in our digestive system, which let me give a quick disclaimer here. I am not a medical doctor. I am not a medical professional. I'm not a nutritionist. I am just a homesteading girl who loves to look up and research and share the things that I'm finding out. Give that caveat to you there. But scientists have been doing studies and depending upon the study that you read, between 70 to 80% believed now of our immune system is actually in our gut. And when you have the good bacteria going on in your gut system and in our flora system and everything is balanced in that area, the good bacteria helps to support your immune system, which is why fermented foods and probiotics are now becoming a thing. So you hear the term live cultures, all of that is basically referring to the same thing. Now there are many, many different strains of live cultures and live bacteria, um, but we're talking about the good ones here. So specifically with old-fashioned saltwater brine pickles, it's a fermented food. So it's a form of food preservation. Not only do we know now that it is actually healthier for us, but it was a way of preserving food from way, way back when, before we had canning jars, because as much as I love my canning, and y'all know I love my canning jars, but canning jars, they were invented in 1858, and they really didn't become mainstream in most of households until later fermented foods was the way that a lot of the the pioneers and way further back were able to preserve their vegetables to have during the winter months when they weren't able to harvest because back then we didn't have grocery store shelves full of fresh produce for us to just go and get any old time that we want. So they had to take what they had growing in season and find ways to preserve it so that they had that food to eat all year long or bad things could happen, right? So a lot of the pioneers would pack their harvest into barrels and crocks with salt and water to make a fermented pickle, and it's really easy to do. So you create a saltwater brine, and you so we make a saltwater brine that creates a fermented culture of beneficial lactic acid microbes. So that is the strains of the bacteria that's going on when we're doing our fermented pickles, and it becomes active and helps to preserve them how to make a fermented or brine pickle is to start, we obviously need our vegetable that we're going to be using. And traditionally, a lot of times you can really pickle anything, but think beets, cucumbers, of course, and corn, especially in the South. Y'all from down in the South where my family hails from, even though I'm from Washington State, which is why you'll catch that y'all coming in my dialect every now and then. Chow chow is a big thing and chow chow is usually pickled onions and corn and then with some variations of peppers and that kind of thing thrown in and it's a relish that is eaten. So pretty much any vegetable can be done using the fermented process. To start you're going to need a clean glass jar or a pickling crock. Totally up to you. I prefer a mason jar for everything except sauerkraut. I actually have one of the old pickling crocks. You can buy them actually new. They pretty much look the same. Or if you are lucky enough to find one at a thrift store, a family member who doesn't want one anymore, a garage sale, I would go that route first, but they can be hard to pick up in those areas. For all of the stuff, too, that I am referencing and talking about today, you can go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button. This is episode number 92, and you will actually find a full-on blog post. So if there's things that could be printed out, you can print that out. There's links to everything that I'm talking about and Today's episode also has a video. I've been doing live videos on Facebook for the episodes. If you want to catch it live, which means you can ask questions and we can interact and actually talk, which is super fun. You're going to want to make sure that you like my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Melissa K Norris. And then when you like it, there's a little arrow and you click that little drop down menu and put turn on notifications. And then when I go live, it will shoot you a notification so you can join live Or you should really sign up for my email list and I will shoot you an email the day before that says, hey, we're going live tomorrow at such and such time with the topic of what the live podcast is going to be. But I totally get that we all are super busy and when I'm going live, you might not be able to make it. You might be at work or you have other things going on. So, of course, we will always have the podcast and then that video will get edited And put into the page so you can listen to it on audio like you are right now for the podcast. You can watch it or you can just read the blog post. So you've got all those options for you. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that they were there. For sauerkraut, I really do like to use the actual crock. And the sauerkraut, the reason for that is sauerkraut is a fermented brine uh, kimchi as well. I like to do and that's got a cabbage base in it that one tends to not be as prone to getting mold and I tend to have a lot of really good success when I use a crock for doing those items but for example for today when I was sharing with everybody I actually did fermented saltwater brine garlic dilly beans because I love my garlic dilly beans I tried to do those in the crock and I tried two different times last year to ferment them in the crock and I kept getting an overgrowth of mold, which means I had to throw it out. But I am kind of stubborn I'm a stubborn homesteader sometimes. So I was determined to master it in the pickling crock. So I tried it again and again, I had failure. So after wasting all of those green beans and the ingredients to make those two, I finally decided that I was going to invest in, and it's not a huge investment. It's actually quite inexpensive and it's cheaper than getting one of the crocks if you have to purchase those new. And so what I got was they are these awesome fermenting lids. So they take a, it's plastic, BPA-free. Most of them are BPA-free, I should specify. You can check the exact one. I've got some links to them. But it's like the plastic lids that you can just screw down. They're not for canning. They go on the top of your mason jars. And they've got a hole drilled in them, and they've got a little silicone seal. And then what you put on top of it, it kind of looks like a syringe, but it's not. And what that does is you put some of the saltwater brine or some water in that, and it creates an airlock. So that oxygen does not get down into your fermentation as it's fermenting. Because if we have oxygen, it's much easier to get an overgrowth of the bad bacteria, mold, or yeast. Which then takes over and ruins the ferment and then everything goes bad. And then it also, because as it's fermenting, because it's live, which is really cool. My kids love looking at the live food and how it changes. It creates little bubbles, which is a great sign that means your ferment is healthy and that it's fermenting. But it can create little gases. At the top of this little airlock that goes right on top that you screw down, there's little tiny holes so that the gases can release. If you don't have this, you can try it and you can ferment without it. It does just take that learning curve down and ensures that you kind of get success, at least for me. A lot sooner when you're new to doing the fermenting and the saltwater brine which for most of us when we're first trying something if we don't have success right away then it kind of takes our enthusiasm level down and we don't really want to do it again but then if we get success and it works we're much more likely to stick with it. I always like to try to set myself up and you guys up for success so I do highly recommend that you get one of these lids and I have those linked to in the show notes for the kinds that I have used and that I've had the good success with. Now, another thing that we need to talk about too is just like when we were talking about how to make your own homemade raw apple cider vinegar, which you can catch that, that was the previous podcast episode, episode number 91, the quality of the ingredients that we put into our item is going to be the quality that we get on the inside of the product. For me, if I'm not harvesting it myself, if I'm getting it from a farmer's market, local produce or even just the produce section at the grocery store you always want to go for the food that looks the freshest so we don't want anything that's already starting to age show signs of age and depending upon what the food it is that you decide to pickle I always go by the dirty dozen which is put out and it's every year they test and the top vegetables and fruit, so your top produce that has the heaviest amount of pesticide load on it, they put in that dirty dozen. So that's how I determine what I'm going to purchase organic if it's something I need to purchase. Those that have the heavy pesticide load is what I decide to purchase. So totally up to you. That's how I roll. So I prefer to use organic if it's a heavy pesticide load. Going to make your brine, your saltwater brine. So you're going to use your water and the ratio is to use two tablespoons of salt to one quart of water or four cups. So two tablespoons to four cups, or you could break that down even further. That's going to be one tablespoon to two cups of water. You're going to stir the salt into the water until it's dissolved. And you don't want to use really cold water because therefore the salt is not going to dissolve as easily. You don't want to use super hot water either though, because we want just basically room temperature is what you're going for. So stir it until it's all the way dissolved. And It's recommended to use bottled spring or filtered water or tap water that has a filter. However, I have had success with our well water. Now, if well water is super hard. So if you have really hard well water, sometimes it can affect the fermenting, but I have just used our well water for the past two to three years now, and I haven't had any issues using our well water. So if you have, if you're on city water that has a lot of chlorine in it, then you're going to not want to use that, or you're going to want to use the treatment system of where you can boil it and then let it cool down to help remove the chlorine or fill the jar with water and then put it in the fridge and let it sit for 24 hours and let the chlorine kind of evaporate or of course you can just filter it. So those are some of our options with the water. In your clean glass jar or pickling crock, you're going to pack your vegetables, leaving a two inch head space. That's the space canning lingo wise between the top of the contents and then the lip of the jar. Then you're gonna fill the jar with brine to a one inch head space. Next, we want to place a weight into the jar to keep the food beneath the brine surface. Any kind of fermenting that you do, be it the apple cider vinegar that we talked about, or today we're doing saltwater brine, it needs to be beneath the liquid. Because if it rises above the liquid, then it's going to mold, and then that mold can take over and affect and ruin everything and make you throw it out. I actually prefer the ferment cups that you can put a little bit of the brine in, and then it pushes it all the way down. They make glass fermenting weights, basically anything that's clean. If you have, if you've got little ones or know someone that does, those small baby food glass jars work well. It just has to fit inside there. But for me, the fermenting cups, which I've got linked to as well for you, those have been less expensive than using the fermented glass weights, and they have just worked really well for me. Then you're going to put your lid on, preferably the fermenting lid that we talked about, because we want to keep our oxygen out and keep it airtight. And then you're going to put the jar in a warm area. Now, preferably, ideally, it you want it to be between 65 degrees to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It needs to be out of direct sunlight and not next to any appliances that will create heat. So not next to your toaster, not next to your coffee pot, you know, that kind of a thing. And then you're going to let it for ferment for four days is the general four days is where we're going to go. Now, after a day or two, usually within 24 hours, you're going to start to notice the presence of bubbles and the water will start to turn cloudy. And these are all joyous signs because it means it is fermenting, which is gets you super excited because you know that the live microbes are starting to take action and starting to take over. And the other thing that you will notice is when you first put your produce in, especially like the bright green things, so you first put your cucumbers in or your green beans, and they're going to be that bright green color like fresh food is. But then just like when you can them and they're cooked, they start to turn that darker, more of a dull color of green. Well, that also happens when they are being fermented. So you will start to see the color change, of the vegetable specifically with the bright green ones you'll really notice it the most at the four day mark you're gonna want to check the taste of your pickles so you're just gonna taste one if it's not quite tangy enough then go ahead and let it continue to ferment it can take up to 10 days to reach that level of tanginess that you want what, that we think of with a pickle it won't be exactly like a vinegar pickle so if you have never had truly fermented pickles before, or fermented food, which I had not. I had most of us, a lot of us in regular society or regular mainstream America don't have fermented foods. And so I had never had fermented pickles before. We all are used to the vinegar pickles that we make when we can. And just let me say, I feel like I'm cheating on my can or talking about this. But I do both because I don't have enough refrigerator space, which is where we store our ferments after they've reached the desired fermenting space taste-wise for us, then they have to be stored in the cold storage. So fermented salt brine pickles, unless you've got a cold room or a root cellar that stays 40 degrees or below, they are not a shelf stable. They're not going to go on your pantry shelf like you would put your regular canned pickles. So fridge, they're a cold storage item. So I do both. I do up our produce and so that I have got pickles that are shelf stable and safe for us, us to eat as vegetables throughout the winter months. But then I also do the fermented pickles as well and I try to do enough that I can just fit them in the fridge. I like to use the half gallon mason jars to make a big old bunch at one time and then put that in the fridge to take us through and then when I run out of those then we'll start eating the pickles that I have canned on the shelves. I do both For our family, but a traditional vinegar pickle that we do when we're canning to make it safe acidity wise, it's got a little bit different taste. Now, they both are kind of tangy and sour, which is what we think of when we think of a pickled food, but it's not the exact same, but it's really super yummy and good. So don't be expecting when you taste it an exact taste of taste to taste side by side but it's really good. So if it's not sour or tangy enough for you, go ahead and let it ferment for a few more days. Now, our kitchen tends to be a little bit cold, which is where I keep my ferment so I can keep an eye on it. But of course, like I said, out of direct sunlight, not next to anything hot. When I did my pickles this summer, even in the summertime, which was crazy, I had to let them go a full 10 days to get the full on taste that I wanted. Now, for most things, you will just put them in raw, which is what makes this so ideal because it is still in its raw state. But with things like green beans, especially mature green beans or snap green beans that are more dense, it's actually best if you blanch them in boiling water for two minutes and then run them under cold water to get them, you know, or put them in an ice water bath. To get them cooled back down again and then we're going to put them in our jar and add your salt water brine so that's what I did with these and of course I added dill I put about it's a half gallon jar and I think I put about five cloves of garlic in there and I think it was two heads of dill it was the last of the dill that I had out in the garden as I said when they are done fermenting they must be moved to the fridge or similar cold area and you will take off the fermenting lid. And you're going to replace that with a two-piece metal canning lid and band. This way, they will keep for months in the fridge, which is really awesome because a lot of times, especially things like cucumbers or green beans, when we pick them and bring them in and put them in the fridge fresh, maybe a week top is how long they're going to last before they start to mold or before they start to break down and go bad, right? So you're going to essentially have raw vegetables that will stay good in the fridge for months, you guys. So this is where the preservation part comes in. It adds, can add months to the shelf life of your food, which is pretty amazing in my book. The best salt, using correct salt, I should say, is going to make a huge difference in the success of your fermentation. It's not recommended to use table pickling or canning salt, actually. The best choices for salt are unrefined sea salts with no additives listed on the package. We just want it to be pure salt, but the reason that we like to use the unrefined sea salts or the salts with color is because these have more minerals in them than the other processed salts or more processed, I should say. And the reason that we want the more minerals in there is because not only is more minerals better for us, but it's also better for good bacteria so that they have more to eat as well. Think of your colored salts. I actually prefer to use the light gray sea salt, and I've got a link in there to the exact one that I use. But your real salt, the Himalayan pink salt, you can use those as well. But just make sure, depending upon the brand that you may grab, that on the ingredients It only has salt listed, that there's not any other additives in there. Now we are to our verse of the week portion of the Pioneering Today podcast. And I wanted to share, this was actually the verse, it's my memory verse for the week in the Bible study that I'm doing, and I just feel that it's very pertinent to this time. So at the time of this recording, it is actually... October 14th of 2016 and for those of us in America and probably those of you who are listening in the rest of the world have seen especially this year our presidential elections that are going on and if you're on Facebook or any form of social media there's all kinds of craziness going on. I think it's really important that we don't get too caught up in the things of the world. Now, I'm not saying bury your head in the sand and just completely ignore all of that. I, that. That's not what I'm getting here. But I'm seeing a lot of things where people and even friends are getting into these really heated conversations and debates. And in nobody is swaying anybody to choose differently. It's just driving a wedge and it's driving a divide between people and it's causing strife in most cases of course there's always you know there's always exceptions to the rule but i'm talking in generalities here and so i just think it's so important for us to remember that our true focus needs to still be on jesus who is still on the throne god who is on the throne and not to get too caught up in the ways of the world so what i wanted to share this verse for this week is first john 2.15, 2.15, which says, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in him because it can get it can be really easy. You know, as we read these things and we see the state of our economy or the way that our nation is going, no matter what nation that you belong to, even if you're not in America, but I am. So that's what I can. You know, it can be really easy to begin to woe. Or just to let those thoughts and the things that are happening and the things that we read and that we see to kind of start to consume us a little bit, especially when it's something that's very pressing and that's very immediate or has this deadline like the actual election day, for example. But we just really need to remember that this isn't our home and that we are living in this world, but we're not of this world because we are children of God. Amen. I wanted to just kind of give you that reminder of encouragement to help put things in the internal perspective, the internal focus, and for myself as well. So I hope that that brings you some encouragement and a little bit of food for thought. It certainly has me and to remember to keep my feet planted firmly in Jesus and standing firm for him and not get so crazy about everything else because we are all about the Pioneering Today podcast is about simple and old fashioned things. And there's not much more simple than just focusing on Jesus, amen? So thank you guys so much for spending part of your day with me today. And I am super excited to hear about if you do the old fashioned saltwater brine pickles. I would love to see if you've got pictures, you can go ahead and share them with me on Facebook or in the blog comments. If you remember your grandma or if you've got an awesome recipe that you have done of fermented foods, I would love to hear about it. Thanks so much for spending your day with me, and I look forward to visiting with you on the next episode.